When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lizzie Cooperman's In Your Hands. I'm Lizzie, and this is a show where you determine the course of my life. The show comes out every other Thursday. That's when you go to my Instagram stories, cast your vote. Let your voice be heard. I get the results the following day, and I take immediate action. But you can listen to the show whenever you want. I can't stop you. I don't have conservatorship, and I also don't reveal the results until the next episode. I also have a Patreon. That is the lifeblood of the show. The link is in my Instagram bio. I also do tarot readings as a result of this experiment. If you'd like one, please visit me, lizziecooperman.com. You can also get one as a gift. Let's not wait another moment. Let's dive into the past. Last week, you had a choice between framed ship and dealership. Framed ship. Do I take a page from these trading people, these paper clip heads? These people walking around with red paper clips who end up trading up until they get, you know, homes in obscure areas in Canada and do my own version, but also in the spirit of Valentine's Day, try to find a suitor in the process by taking this small painting of a ship with a thick gold frame and try to trade it with romantic prospects on hinge or dealership. Do I just glide right onto a glossy sales floor of a car dealership while I'm waiting for... Victoria's Secret to put me back on that schedule. Get this job, lean into the car sales persona, start slicking my hair back, cement my my firm handshake. And you voted dealership. When I recorded the last episode, I had already, I think, talked to two different people, one guy in HR and someone else on the sales floor who said they would they would review my resume and application. Two weeks have passed. Seven phone calls and three emails later, I still don't have the job. I I truly thought they'd be like, we will put you in a sales position today. But I just spoke to someone. I've been calling. I've been trying to space out my calls to like every three days. And um, I just talked to someone this morning who was like, I'm going to give this immediate attention. So it looks like the wheels might be turning literally and figuratively, the power, my power locks are off. My door is open. I'm just waiting to be invited in at this juncture. All they have to do is put down their chicken wing and give me a call. I also have to tell you, there was a miscommunication regarding my schedule at Victoria's Secret. When I say miscommunication, I'm referring to some scheduling software that has taken center stage in my life. It, it does a deep bow. It's called Ace ZTM, and something was inputted incorrectly. And honey, you don't want to mess with Ace, but the issue has been resolved. So next week I have off, and then the following week, I'm going to be back on the sales floor in my leather fanny pack, thriving once again 
as sales lead one. Also, the This Is Us tour. You also voted for me almost a year ago to become a tour guide for the, the hit drama, the cultural phenomenon, This Is Us. And that is also picking up in the last week of February. I'm going to be standing up on a bus, fumbling with a DVD player, showing people, taking them down memory lane. You know what? This is a good time to pull up to the present. With this dealership job on the horizon and my Victoria's Secret hours just increasing at an uncontrollable rate, I have this five-day period before the storm. And I thought, what if I just left? What if I leave Los Angeles? This would be a desert outing. I would be heading to Palm Springs. And the challenge is going to be, instead of being hyper-productive, I'm going to do absolutely nothing. It's not a silent retreat, which is kind of work. I'm not locking my phone in a closet and having you monitor it on Twitch. This is not a self-imposed DUI, which you did vote against. I'm not going to my friend's house to cat sit and saying, I also have to finish my script while I'm there. Fill the well instead of being like, pump well, (laughs) instead of forcing water out of the well. And I should specify, I've been there before. This isn't like... um, This is a pretty deep cut, but the 5 a.m. 50 men episode where I was texting with that guy who was like, Palm Springs, are you, I think he said, are you going to go mud bathing? I've been to Palm Springs before. I haven't gone alone since I think my mom died in 2013, and I haven't been anywhere. I haven't traveled alone except for comedy since I left for New Mexico in, uh, to wait out the lockdown in October 2020. The other option is MFA. This one would be a two-year option you'd be voting for. You know, this would be the most transformative direction probably in Lizzie Cooperman's In Your Hands history. I would apply for an MFA in poetry. Rolling admission um, because I missed the mid-January deadlines. And I would be applying to a pretty expensive school, the new school in New York City. I'm stressed. I don't know. I feel like my breathing just became so shallow talking about this. Um, Things I'm stressed about, leaving my life, leaving my entire life behind, my Kia Soul, my friends, the comedy community. Um, How how in this wild world would I I pay for this? I'm going to need that dealership job if, if I get, if I get in. That's another thing. I might not even get accepted. And I'm going to put this out there because no one else will. Essay writing is, it's not my strong suit. And I guess on the flip side is death. Death is the reason I would I would go to get my MFA, in all honesty. I want to have some collections out there in the world, some poetry collections before I die. And I just, I don't know if I can achieve that here the way my life is now. So those are the two options. My first expert today is the very man who will potentially be welcoming me into his home that I will not spill salsa on next week if you dare vote Desert Holiday. Here to talk about his experience in Palm Springs and what this stay might look like is Anthony Agriam. Just the air and the light, it's so depressing. Mm. And... You know, two days in Palm Springs feels like a week. It, it, like it really, like I love waking up, like in the morning out in the desert and just like having a, a super chill day. Like it, it just, 
there's this idea of detachment that right. really resonates. You know, even even the two hour drive. Because when I'm in LA, I actually you know I live right next to my office, so I don't have that detachment from work. Um, uh huh. You know, I don't I don't get that like commute that kind of like uh, separates me from you know physically and you know psychologically from work. So you know, when I drive out on a, a Friday night, it's you know it's just the drive is like like a, a precursor to then like being out in the desert, being totally depressed. Are you ever getting trashed at the Tonga Hut, or are you mostly at your place of residence? I'm. I never go out. Like mm-hmm. it's. It, it. But that's just a, a carryover from COVID. You know, I spent a year and a half, like, in this house mm-hmm. with my dog. Nothing was open, so it was just cooking and working and watching Netflix. My community out there are my neighbors, and it's a collection of retirees in their 70s and 80s. Mm. So it's a combination of like helping them with their Wi-Fi setup or, um, you know, checking out the latest, uh, uh, you know, menu item at Applebee's. Like that's kind of my going out when I'm in Palm Springs. You are a gift to that neighborhood. Now, how logistically would we do this? Is there a key? Is there a, a code? So what you would do is um, I can let you into the garage. I have a remote like app that would access, you can get access to the garage. Okay. And then once you get in, there's a key that you could use. And then you can use the key to get in and out. It is a gated community too, so I would have to give you the code. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Or the gate. And then you can just like park on the street. Wait, Anthony, this is so incredibly generous of you. And would I be sleeping in your room or is it, what, what, what is it? the guest room. So you can sleep in the guest room. There's a TV, there's mm. Bluetooth, there's, um, you know, there's chips and salsa. You know, oh. it's, just, it's pretty, it's pretty easy, easy going. I'm like, and now there's going to be meth. But there is a lot of work that needs to be done on the place. So, like, I, like there are rooms that are, like, half-painted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are uh, some electrical projects that I need to get done. Like, you know, so, you know, it's like if something doesn't work, just, it's, it, it wasn't you that broke it. It's just, you know, it's an old house. Okay, I'm glad we, I'm Actually, glad we set that. I'm glad that's on record on the podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> the, the other thing, too, which, you know, you should know. I don't know if you know, but my relationship to Palm Springs is a little skewed because mm-hmm. I was actually born out there. Oh, um, is your grandmother's from there, right? Yeah, well, my dad. My dad is, is from Palm Springs. I was born in Palm Springs. Uh, and then when my parents split, uh, that's when my mom moved to Lake Tahoe, and that's where I met Bryce. Were you playing shuffleboard when you were seven years old? <laughs> no, we played uh, badminton. Oh, okay. Now, do you have any advice for people heading out to, to your homeland? <laughs> uh, you know, I would say just be respectful. Mm. I, think, I think there's an expectation that people like to go out to the desert and, you know, get trashed, um, look for a good time. Right. I think that's the historical attitude towards mm. the desert. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of history out there. There's a lot of you know, uh, very nuanced neighborhoods that, you know, you just can't see them unless you're going slow. And uh, mm. I think I think you need to, like, 
take that slow pace when you're out in the desert to really to really see it for what it is I'm, and, and yeah. you know the, the, the idea of going out to the desert like solo like with no like you're not going to a party you're not going to an event you're not going to meet somebody you know that's a really good um reason to go out there too because then you can really feel the desert and really see it and focus on it mm. you know, focus on the air focus on the light and you just focus on how you know that everything looks differently in that desert light now if the listeners they're called sorcerers if they want to find you or your work do you want to tell them where to find where they can do that we do have a very outdated website so i would say go to www you just have to say www, but anyway, bishoppass.com. You need to see. You have to see what, what Anthony has created. Fingers crossed that the vote skews towards the desert mm. outing, but we'll see. Um, truly, if you get a chance, I can't stress this enough, look Anthony up because especially if you live in L.A., he's probably designed a lot of the hotels and restaurants that you've frequented. Okay, I am so excited also about my other expert. I actually took a class with her at UCLA Extension, a memoir writing class. She's one of my favorite writers. I can't believe I I have her on the show. This is Shauna Kenny. The only reason I even know about this little town, Wilmington, North Carolina, is because I came here in 2004 to get my MFA. Um, I was living in LA at the time. I'd been there about 10 years, originally from the East Coast, from Washington, D.C. Um, but I was working a really boring corporate job that I hated. I had a book out. I was writing freelance um, for a bunch of magazines and just really wanted to somehow be a full time writer or make writing my you know, my whole life. Um, and I've been invited into a couple classrooms as a guest speaker at UCLA Extension. And the teachers, the fellow authors who had invited me in, asked me why I wasn't teaching. I said, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> and they were like, well, you just did. <laughs> you know, like, right. Um, what was, the, what was the book you had out at the time? Was that your, uh, I Was a Teenage... Memoir. It was called I Was a Teenage Dominic right. Right. So came out good. in 99. Okay. Um, and it really opened up the whole like LA literary scene to me. I met a lot of fellow writers for the first time in my life and I went on a book tour and um, it was put out by a very small indie press and then I got picked up by a bigger indie press and then I got then I got an agent. I did everything backwards um, <clears throat> and sold foreign rights and went on a book tour in England. And But then I came back and worked this boring corporate job right wanted to somehow like I thought like teaching and writing would be a nice balance for me right so <sighs> when I I went to talk to the director of the writers program at UCLA at the time and she was like oh that's really nice that you have a book out but it'd be better if you had an MFA wow okay yeah. it almost sounds like she was <laughs> nagging you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well <laughs> Like, okay. Mm, yeah, that's nice. Right. Um, so I was like, watch me. Right, right. <laughs> so both my parents didn't graduate from high school. Um, I was the first in my family to go to college. So I did mm -hmm. have a bachelor's in film. Um, 
but I didn't know anything about going to graduate school. So I asked for help from an academic friend of mine in LA and she helped me with the whole application process. And I applied to, I didn't want to take the GREs, the, um, the graduate, um, entrance exam. Oh, I just wanted to apply to a program that would accept me based on my writing, like a writing sample. Sure. Right. So, and I also only applied to programs in places where I thought I could live. So right. like, I didn't want to live in Idaho. What was it like leaving your life in LA to go to grad school? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, yeah, my husband quit his good corporate job too <laughs> and, and went along with me and we moved to a small town in the South. Um, and our plan was we bought a house because it was a lot cheaper here to uh-huh. buy a house than, um, than to rent even at the time. And we thought we'd buy a house. Well, a finished grad school is a three-year program. So there are one, two, and three-year okay. writing programs. So I'm a favorite. That's okay. what you're thinking about? Yeah, I'm thinking about a two-year program. Okay. I'm just wondering. residency or in person? I'm thinking in person. The thing is, I need to find something that's rolling admissions at this point because it's yeah. there was a January oh. cutoff. I just feel like it would be so expensive. Yeah, that's my um, caveat to people who are thinking about right. <laughs> getting an MFA. Like I, I, so I applied to three programs, Antioch in LA, which I got into, but there was no um, teaching aspect at the time. Okay. I think that's since changed, but I really wanted the teaching experience. Right. Um, and also there was no financial aid <gasps> at the time okay. for me. Um, and then I was waitlisted at Holland in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, and then I got into UNCW and they offered me a TA ship. So that means I would be a teaching assistant for the full three years and have a small oh stipend every month. Um, so... And And yeah, it was a lot to like pick up and move across the country, but they also gave me everything I wanted and it, and it seemed like it would be worth it because in the end I'd have the teaching experience and the piece of paper that would allow me to teach. Now, does anyone leave grad school empty handed? Just like, okay, back to working at mailboxes, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah, actually they do. Um, Well, there are some people who discover that they don't want to teach. So, and then Oof. some people come and get their MFA and, and don't care about teaching. They just really want to immerse themselves in the written word and finish a project, finish a book. Okay. Um, do, do they help you find a place for your work or is it, you know, just, really. is it possible to, okay, so I could emerge self-published, like with self-published erotica on Amazon <laughs> and a one-star review that's like, remember me from elementary school? <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, I tell everyone, if you want to be a writer, just write. You can take classes all over the place and keep educating yourself. I still take classes in different places. Um, You don't need to go into debt to get that piece of paper that says that you're a writer. You know, I I did it because I knew I needed that piece of paper to teach. It's funny, I have an MFA and I am a teacher, but I discourage people from from going to school unless they are really clear on their goals and and have the money to do it like I think education is way overpriced and 
Right. A lot of my favorite writers didn't go to school for writing. If people want to find your absolutely outstanding work, where where can they find it? Oh, you're sweet. Um, my website, shawnakenny.com. And I am also sharing writing prompts on TikTok now. <gasps> Don't make fun of me. Ah, I love <laughs> I'm just figuring out TikTok. I'm experimenting with it. But um, And Shana I need to Kenny say, S-H-A-W-N-A, Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. Shauna, thank you so much. Thank you, um, Lizzie. It's so good to hear your voice. You too. And now for my guests. All right. <laughs> we have Bryce Lees. He's the author of After 89, Polish Theater and the Political, and professor at the Royal Center School of Speech and Drama. And we also have Martin Schnabel an incredible art director and artist who is starting out as a sculptor making pillow plates. And they are here in holy matrimony. They come to you in holy matrimony <laughs> to guest on this show. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank it's you. We actually to have here. to get married to come to California, actually. One Did you time. really? Not on this occasion. Yeah, last time. Yeah, we had a civil partnership, but um, that wasn't enough for immigration at the time because the U.S. wasn't really letting anybody in at the time because of COVID. So it was quite an adventure to get here. Yes. I didn't know that. You yeah. had to really want to come in order to come. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Oh and it, my almost didn't, it almost didn't happen because we, we brought in what turned out to be a photocopy of a certified copy of our um, civil partnership, which was not enough. So... Luckily, you at the last second. You weren't in a photocopy? We didn't you know like, it was I a photocopy. You're like, I put my face yeah. in the photocopier on top of the... <laughs> it was a woman called Linda who worked at this council <laughs> office, and she was like, I'm afraid I can't accept that document. That's actually a photocopy of a certified copy. I'm so sorry, but I can't accept it, I'm afraid. <gasps> I've been a victim of fraud recently, so I can't yeah. really... I don't, don't really want to go that one. She wasn't very risks. trusting, was she? No. no, she wasn't. Oh, my goodness. Wait, so she said no, and then what did you have to do? We begged her to phone Brixton Town Hall, where we had actually gotten our civil partnership, and she was like, nobody answers the phone anymore during COVID. <laughs> and I, we took our small sausage dog out of the car and showed it to her, which sometimes, you know, smooths the way. Right, right. And then she was convinced. She was gone for ages, for like half an hour, and then she came back with a huge frown on her face, and she went, it's your lucky day. <laughs> but it wasn't the only barrier. I mean, the barriers involved projectile vomiting in a yeah. small airplane cabin and dental surgery Wait. at someone's engagement party and a broken down train for the Channel Tunnel from England to France. But it we're here. We are here. Now. here. We're exactly. here for this We're podcast. here for this podcast. <laughs> we're ready to discuss your life. Are you ready to discuss Desert Holiday versus MFA? Ooh. Ooh, what's your initial reaction, Martin? God, I mean, they're very different things because one is a holiday and one is um, a very ambitious academic degree. So talk right. us through talk us through it. Okay. I haven't had a break in a long time. Even through the Christmas break, I was slinging thongs at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> and I never go anywhere because I don't. I'm not close with my family. I don't go home to Minnesota. Actually, my Christmas was so busy because mm -hmm. also I was supposed to be on a ship for mm -hmm. this show. I was supposed to be on a Christmas ship, and it conflicted with my schedule, so I had to, like, get on a boat last-minute Christmas morning. <laughs> wow. Did you have a nice <laughs> ship tour? Um, <laughs> let's just say there were a lot of dirty seagulls. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There were there was a kid. I got on the boat. There was a kid next to me. Like, <gasps> if it weren't for the wind, I would have I would have COVID nineteen. Did you go all the way to the Catalina Islands? No. We saw the Pringles factory. Oh, wow. no, I don't know. So did it did it change the trajectory of your life in any way? I will say at the end, I did meet someone, a guy. He said, you're not loving the seagulls, are you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm actually not loving them. You are correct. And we started chatting, and he was visiting from Austin. He was pretty easy on the eyes as well. Hmm. Also, haven't you always had a slightly weird relationship with water? <laughs> We're not talking about it on the show. Do you know what I've actually had a relationship with? Birds. Yes. I really don't like birds because okay. I can't see where they're coming from. But how about hummingbirds? Because they, oh. um, you know, they move in very unpredictable ways. And that is something that you might find in the distressing in Palm Springs. There are wow. literally thousands of them everywhere. And they're territorial, so they fight each other of them. That's for ridiculous. patio space. For patio space. <laughs> for a beach chair. They will fight you to get a suntan. They love and vertical stripes. You can't hear them coming. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's okay, true. and they, you they just saw them. So you guys were actually just at the house that I— It has been offered to me for a week to go to this house, get away, and I'm going to go there and kind of— There's a tarot card that kind of reminds me of what I want to do. It's called Two of Wands, where you kind of like— Look out over your life. Reassess, recalibrate is what I want to do in Palm Springs. Okay, the a two true of wands. break. Mm-hmm. A true break. Mm-hmm. hmm Because I really, I don't, I don't need to complain. I'm like, I really haven't had any. <laughs> Every episode, I'm like, it's been so hard. But is this a break or is this a focused work retreat? Um, this is a break. Oh, it's a I break. Like it. I you like actually don't have to that. accomplish anything there. No. No, this is a, almost like a get-out-of-jail-free week. I feel like you may have picked the right place for that because I do think Palm Springs delivers on ease. It's very mm. easy, but it's also not going to be challenging. And there's really bad food. There's a lot of bad food, so you don't even have to leave the house because there's actually no point. Right, right. <laughs> Let me also—I also should mention, for me, downtime is working. That's what I do mm. for fun is mm-hmm. right— so it's kind of one and the same. It's not like, oh, I'm going to, you know, a break for me. Like, how much Love is Blind Brazil can I watch in one yeah. <laughs> Turns out a lot. <laughs> but an MFA is two years. We're talking about okay. two years versus one week. Yes. The week in Palm Springs is like, I'm not good at taking time off. And I'm not good at letting go of L.A.? Question mark. So sometimes on my Patreon, I say, what should I do? And everyone's like, get a massage. Like, people are telling me to kind of take the break. Because now I have several jobs at this point as a result of this Mm -hmm. podcast. I'm a tour guide for the TV show This Is Us. I work at Victoria's Secret. And I'm a tarot reader. Mm -hmm. So what if I just shut it all down for a week? Okay, I think actually what's really crucial here as well is if you're going to move to New York to work and focus— can you transfer your Victoria's Secret job like to ah. a New Jersey mall, for example? <laughs> I Can you bring like, it with you? I mean, my goal there would be Victoria's Secret Times Square. Oh. They've got to have one. Shiny. I mean, that's busy. The, <laughs> busy. That's busy. the ultimate goal is Victoria's Secret Times Square. <laughs> Who knows? By then I might be Who are your doing customers more. going to be? Oh, my goodness. Can you just imagine like, the illustrious <laughs> clientele? 
Fran Lebowitz. Criminals. Mm-hmm. Criminals. German tourists. <laughs> that is so Fran Lebowitz comes in for a I bra. mean, she, you know, that it'd be incredible. challenging. She well. would love the Wicked collection. She <laughs> would love the Wicked. The pink. <laughs> no, she no, it's wrong. Fran Lebowitz walking around with pink sweatpants with pink on the ass. <laughs> we need to get her into those. Oh, she's introducing couture. I'm sure she is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the MFA thing, let me also say, you know, I lived in New York before L.A., mm. and I, I moved here for a relationship. I did not move here entirely for a career. Mm. I fell in love with someone. At the same time, I auditioned for something here and got a manager here. So I just moved my whole life. To Los Angeles, actually, on New Year's Day, I moved here. Okay, did well, you ever fall in love in New York City? No. Okay, so that's but still ahead of you. That's an ahead did of you. you did you did you fall in love with a person in New York, but then move to LA with them? So, no. did the falling in love technically happen in LA or, or New York? You know what? I actually met him in New York. I mm-hmm. met this guy in okay. New York. He lived in LA. Then I would come out and see my sister, hang out. Who lived in LA at the time? And in LA is where him. the love died. And then the love died in L.A. And also, I almost died because this house had black mold. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which I found out later. I was like, God, I've had a fever like every other week. He's like, uh, might be worth mentioning. There is black mold in this house. Okay, oh wow. My God, Thanks for flagging that. <laughs> Thanks for the addendum. Like, wow, the still- tissue of my lungs is changing. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so. That's like much more of a New York experience, actually, isn't it, than an L.A. experience. I know. Isn't it meant to be dry and sunny here? Even though at the moment it isn't. No, LA is black mold. We've lived in houses with black mold. There's a lot of black mold in the UK. Oh, yeah. They call it something, the damp. It's called the damp. It is called the damp. And, you know, it's it's very casual to be like, oh, you've just got the damp. Oh, my God. Someone has, like, lesions all over their face. They're drooling. I was like, I think I've lost half of one lobe of my lung. But it's just, it's the damp. It's fully inflamed. I know. Just lots of people in Victorian nightgowns kind of coughing in basements. (laughs) In Victoria's Secret nightgowns now. Once I come out and visit. Desert Holiday is our mutual friend Anthony's house. Bryce, you grew up with Anthony. Went to high school together. Anthony has tight control of his space, okay. which actually will make you feel a bit free. Because mm. you know when a space is so perfectly ordered, you can kind of like sink into it. It's like, yes. then you turn, you think, for example, like, where's the wine opener? And then your hand reaches out and just, it's suddenly it's in your hand. Everything is precisely intuitively so we should, in its yeah. exact right space. Because Anthony is, he's the head of a design firm. Yeah, but he was wow. even like that with it's his... very considered. He had these like Barbie dolls that he wouldn't take out of the package. They were probably Transformers, but I remember them as Barbie dolls. And I remember <laughs> once trying to open one of them, but he... Who else you want to see? He displayed his toys as a child. He did not play with them. Oh, <laughs> You can look, but not touch. Yeah. But I think it's true. It's a space that's very ready-made. You can just... But I think it's about giving in to the space. You know, it's about letting the space do the work for you. And, you know... It's about painting the space. Anthony's doing this going, no! It's about changing the space. It's about playing with Anthony. It's about intervention. (laughs) He does have little patches on the wall of different colors of gray and cream that he does eventually. Mm. If you did want to paint a few walls... You're going to enjoy a lot of mid-century design, Mm. but also a lot of... I kind of think a lot of... and beige. I think a lot of 1980s art deco as well, which I think 
you're going to have some time for as mm. well. Because I think we all know the, you know, seduction of the 1950s, 1960s, mid-century style. But I think there's also a lot in the kind of like slightly weird 70s, 80s. Yes, there's a whole springs. mirror cabinet. There's a cabinet of mirrors <laughs> that you can get lost in that's full of 1950s Tiki Tahoe um Tchotchkes. You're like, and there's also a mid-century neighbor. Yeah. There is. Oh, yeah. There are many there mid-century is. neighbors. None of his neighbors are under the age of 80. They're all gay men from the Midwest who, like, tuck in their shirts and have, like, superb manners. Mm, I love that. Okay. It's, it's great for gay watch. So maybe this is my Minnesota. Yes. Actually, you know what? Oh, okay. You might be invited to several brunches while you're there <laughs> that are like, pota- what would you have as a brunch in Minnesota? Like potato salad. A potato salad up front. I think it's pretty similar. However, I feel like there's always, I feel like cheese with the hash browns is very Midwestern. There's always a way of turning oh, yeah. everything into a, like a breakfast casserole. You know? Yes, I would say these men like potatoes <laughs> more than like normal people potato do. Potato corner. It all comes back <laughs> to potato <laughs> corner. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different types of potatoes and different. There's a lot of shakes. You can have really good date okay. shakes. You can go to all of the beautiful old resorts, and um, you know enjoy all the old hotel lobbies. You can go to the parker maybe and enjoy some really amazing mid-century carpets and okay. yeah, finishes. Now, let me ask you: When was the last time you, Martin, you went somewhere on your own with absolutely no purpose in mind? Oh, God. And alone Mm -hmm. as well. That is a very good question. I have a very bad memory. Um, Mm. Alone and without any purpose. I think I usually go to places with purpose. I'm kind of thinking of, um, you know, a time when I finished my MA in London and went to New York to do some internships. But I think that for me was definitely an extended period of time that I used to be by myself Mm. and really just let myself be in a new space. I was just thinking, actually, that I was reading Robert Kaplan's book, Adriatic, and he says that travel must be done alone. Otherwise, it's tourism. So it's the you have the right to know yourself better than anyone else, but you can only do it in solitude because solitude generates creativity. So actually, I think in both cases, there's something that's going to be deeply alone about this experience of going back to New York City or going to the desert. But mm-hmm. one is short and one is long. You know, how much time alone do you need? For poetry... I just this- sit here, my hair grows, turns gray, <laughs> stare into us. How much time do you need? The clock... <laughs> <laughs> you might need somebody who comes in to cut your nails and things like that. So you don't hurt yourself. Luckily in Palm Springs, there's a lot of people who do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of good caretakers. Right, right, right. Can I could ask easily, a... <laughs> you know, slot you in. They could fit you in, I'm sure. Should time pass? Can we ask a practical question about New York? Yes. Okay, yes. An, an MFA is a, a, an expensive option, is that right? Right. I mean, I could apply for financial okay. aid, I believe. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, and it's two years or one year? Two years. And it's a terminal degree, so you could teach poetry at the end if you wanted to. And also, New York City is really expensive. Like, I mean, why not like the Iowa Writers Program? Why not? Because I won't be able to do comedy. Uh-huh. And that's the yeah. thing is, I feel like if I go to New York, it'll also open me up to, you know, I'll be able to go back and do comedy there. I know people who live there. So I'm not completely deserting my life. I feel like if I applied to Iowa, I would be, be just too close to the beginning. That would be death for me. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, because isn't there like a secret Midwest comedy circuit? Like, I remember, is I remember that, going to Hollywood. Pro- that's probably very secret. Ah. Yeah. So secret, we don't secret. know about it. Like, the, people always say that in LA. If you go to a comedy show, they're like, people in Denver laughed at that joke. It's a secret with a, with a two casserole minimum. Yeah. But I think for you, you also need to be with your people somehow. I kind of feel like you want to be mm-hmm. connected. You don't want to be isolated. Yes. You want to be connected. Yes. So I do think they're very opposite ideas as well. I mean, Palm Springs, I think, is maybe not necessarily about being with your like-minded people, but about taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Right. Whereas New York could be about rediscovering who your community could be and engaging with a scene that is rich and that's going to resonate with you. I don't know. I know. I feel like it's even... The application process, because they say, which which professors are you excited to work with? And I didn't know who any of them were, and I ended up reading all of their poetry. I thought, oh, this is really exciting. And who Getting did excite choose... you? What yeah. stuck with you? Their names don't come to mind. This was three weeks ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was using Rejected. them for my own <laughs> Do you have a line of your own poetry that you think of when you, when you think of this choice? A line of my own poetry? Of your own poetry. No. Oh, Scepter, The Wave Slam Gently. Why? Because I took a course at UCLA where I wrote a poem and my the teacher would do these video critiques. I was showing Bryce one last night when you were sleeping in the Hotel Martin. And he would do these video critiques. He'd be like, okay. He'd be like, the last line. And then as if possessed, he would scramble all my words and then he would go, scepter, period. The wave slammed gently. And that's really- it. He goes, that's the close. Se- or no, he goes, scepter, comma, the wave slammed gently. And then we close. That's it. Full stop. Full stop. He didn't oh, yeah, he like said, your commas. Too many commas, he said. He he was yeah. like, you're lost in your own punctuation. Yes. Or actually, he open- doesn't know what solitaire is. He does not know that it's he a did card not, game. It, it goes, That's and, by the way, I can never publish it if I say it. But I don't know if it's, it's okay. But I go, how Chagall's goats drifted up toward the chandelier, graying the crystals. Beneath them, my, my mom's solitaire hands grew yellow, magic draining from the faces of queens as she flipped them onto her backs. Their backs, days unwound like cellophane string, nightshade wafted into my sweaters. I could barely walk down the hall without taking a nap in her grave. She feels like she's drowning, the nurse explained. That's the first half. Yes, and he didn't know what solitary, so he was like, you mean solitary Ah. hands? And why is there a comma? And I was like, solitaire hands. hands." Also, you capitalized solitaire with a capital S. And then he was like, queens, who are these queens? Drag queens? So they drag (laughs) <laughs> Let me also say, this is actually the problem with academia. Mm. No, it's not going to be like academia. It it's going to be like an extended writing workshop. It's an MFA. Okay. You're going to really? read a lot of poetry. You're going to have to sit through endless seminars of listening to other people's poetry, which will be probably unbearable at times. Do you remember that undergraduate class you did that, where that one was like, Mm, it was so hot in the room. My face was red like a tomato. <laughs> yes, wait, what was that again? I don't know, but you're going to have hours oh. of that. That, yeah, just a lot of that. Mm. <laughs> I do remember that. Very tomato. <laughs> also, okay. with writing, people have to go through like four to eight years of autobiographical writing before they can actually start writing about what they need to write about. And and I think the danger is that you're going to have to actually like hold people's hands through their autobiographical periods. Period. I don't know what to do because I think about, I mean, I'm trying to put a collection together and I have an option on the show called Poetry Bar where I've been going to this local bar and writing poetry inspired by the surroundings that usually ends up 
coming back to similar themes I've been writing about my whole life. But I can't get through it alone. I can't. So my Mm -hmm. goal was I'm going to write 40 new poems this year to add to this collection because usually a book has to be like 60 to 90 pages for a book of poetry to submit a book of poetry. What are the chances of me winning the book prize? It's like think of all the people who are just constantly like, when is this submission open? When is this closed? Like I've taken workshops with people who are like, and by the way, I just finished the workshop at blah, 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 and I and submissions for gunpowder are now closed. <laughs> you know, like there are like real poetry go-getters, and I don't like that. I don't love that it almost feels like L.A. in that way where it's like, oh, am I going to end up, you know, being like, who got it? Yeah, yeah. We got it. Like, I don't want that experience. The competitive, no, you actually want to do it because you want to do it and you want space because you want to do it. And not do it in order to spite somebody else. And we've heard your poetry. You're better than they are anyway. So you might as well just do it. And and also, if if at the end of two years you don't have two collections ready. Two collections. Oh, it says 36 credits, two years. It starts in the fall. Oh, I mean, this would be a major change. I mean, sometimes on this show, we talk about, like, you know, not talking for 48 hours, which is mm. exciting in its own way. But we're now talking about 48 months and maybe, like, $60,000, mm-hmm. a whole new city, a new love life, two collections of poetry, or five days in the desert. The result of one is very different from the other. Also, it? You, it makes me think about the lives of poets. When you think about the lives of the poets you respect, do you want the kind of life that you see when you read about them? Yes. Why? Well, first of all, I think all poets live very differently. You can write Mm. poetry anywhere. Do you fetishize poverty? Just kidding. I mean, my mom used to tell me I was afraid of making money. (gasps) And I think it scarred me that she said that. Yeah. I don't think that's true anymore. I don't don't think think that's true either. And I think that... um, that is something that you're really hungry for. And it kind of delivers the same thing as Palm Springs, but Palm Springs kind of is a short-term fix and it's just a little holiday. But I think this MFA actually shifts your life towards living your life maybe in a way that you want to. You know, maybe living your life as a poet and spending this time on writing. Would it break the rules to, to have like a third category this week that says both? Like go to Palm Springs for a week and write the application, get it together, focus, send it off, and then go. Wow. Is that am I breaking the rules I'm not there? Gonna, I'm not kicking a both out of bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always either or. Right. But also it is the year of the rabbit now, isn't it? Which yes. is all about doing it all. Yes, and it's the year of, of the rabbit. It's about quanti- quantity. Yeah. And it's about awareness and it's about the eyes on both sides of the head. Yeah, like a shark. Mm-hmm. But nicer, fluffy. Well, the nice. problem with the shark, though. This is, yeah, the well, problem. No, the, I mean, the problem is that you can attack them from the front because they're looking to the sides. So the rabbit doesn't have this problem, right? The rabbit is like all directional. It's exciting. Oh, it's multidimensional. The it's rabbit. multidimensional. I mean, they can only hop in one direction. They cannot hop sideways or backwards. But then why would they? They want to go forward. It's all about driving forward. The way to deal with a shark is to be direct. Mm-hmm. The way to defeat a shark. To defeat a shark. Is to be direct. Okay. I also have to say, this would mean leaving my life in L.A. I hope the sorcerers appreciate the gravity of the choice they're making mm-hmm. this week. 
This is truly high stakes. We're in high right. stakes territory. It is high stakes territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, do you um, do you feel like you're looking for a real shift in trajectory? Yes. Interesting. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's more about who are the people who you think you'll be surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with right. in these places. Mm. So let's just like paint a picture of kind of like the people in Palm Springs that you'll be surrounding yourself with. Well, let, let me tell you. I also <laughs> my New Year's resolution was to calm my nervous system. Mm. I did yoga this morning. I did it on the first. I didn't do it yesterday because I was out with mm-hmm. you, my lovely friends. But I do need to. I need to do what I'm. What Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way, refers to as spiritual chiropractic work. Mm-hmm. I am in deep need of that right now. I need to drop down and I need to reassess this show. It will be one year in March that I've been doing this experiment, and my life now has a buildup where it's layer upon layer upon layer of things that I'm marks I'm supposed to hit every single week and things I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. that. I'm an, I, and I'm going to have to make a decision at the end of this. I might have the final episode, like, should I continue doing the show? Well, has the show, having done it for this long, started to, like, sharpen your decision-making skills? I mean, are you not at the state where you're like, dinner, Caesar salad, or chili con carne? <laughs> Which is it? It's in my hands. It's in my hands. Well, <laughs> I would no, not seriously. do con carne because that's a pork product. No, it is. I thought that was beef. No, it can be beef. Is con carne pork? It's pork, isn't it? I always thought that was pork. Okay. It's chilly. It's full of possibilities. It's full. <laughs> but does it? I mean, has it made it be like? Because when you started, you were you were you were feeling a bit lost, right? And you thought, right, I can be directionless. I can be indecisive, mm-hmm. and I'm going to like let people drive me forward in whichever direction they choose. Mm-hmm. But what has that done to you? Has that sharpened anything for you, or has that make made you actually do the opposite? Like actually let go of something. I I thought it was going to change my life in some really wild way. And it hasn't changed. Well, I shouldn't say that, actually. Because I probably would have been more productive without the show, honestly. More productive? Yes. Wow, just because it's taken up so much of your time, huh? Yes. Like, I used to write constantly, be pitching shows, focus on my performance. And now I've been focusing on this experiment that's kind of taken over my life. Is it also because there's so much research and so much kind of you know, work in the background that you're having to do for it. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. God, you're like a historian or archivist of your own life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a lot of work. See, that's where the life of the poet could save you, because then you could just have a biographer come around later and do that work for you. I so, could I could put together a postdoc first, research position to do that, actually. But I think this really? is also about commitment, actually. <laughs> Wait. Wait a minute, yeah. Wait, did somebody need, talk about money? We're getting first, money for this? You need at least two Other collections funds? before I can do that. Before okay. the head of knowledge can. Yeah. Okay. Can swoop in with a postdoc. Okay. Where the forms would need to fill out. Okay, I just would like a live bit of poetry from you right now. A line? One line about LA. As you about know, about LA, I don't know that I ha- I don't know that I have that in me, honestly. I would love to just say. Well, could you wrap it? Oh, you know what? I have I have a poem. It has the word fettuccine in it. I think. By the way, I think I can't publish this two. ever if I say it. 
I think I could maybe actually in a book. So if you speak it out loud online, you cannot publish it because you've breached your own copyright. I think this is also very much about commitment and about recommitting your time. Mm -hmm. Because I think last year you've been really committed to this podcast. It's taken up a lot of your time. It's been a really amazing experiment. But I think you're also kind of reassessing how you want to spend your time. And I like the idea of you want to live like a poet. That is a life that you want. And I think the MFA might give you a platform to get used to acting like that. And it's about changing your behavior Ooh, and yes. living like an artist. Because well, also this is about the macro and the micro in poetry as well. Like Ezra Pound, big ideological, ma- ma- I mean, he was right. horrifying as well and like pro-fascist. And then versus like Joseph Brodsky, small, tiny moments of color, of life. You know, I was just googling here. Fractions. <laughs> Wait, they're both. They're yes. buried twenty feet from from one another. No. In Venice, not Venice Beach, Venice in Italy, and it's like Kaplan makes the argument. It's two different directions for the future. Do you choose the way of Brodsky or do you choose the way of Pound? Do you want the big ideological ideological gesture, or do you want to embrace your own genius and stay in the micro? Okay, what is the I, big I ideological gesture? I'm so sorry. You might need to break this down the to move. me. Well, the big ideological gesture is is everything is enormous. Like all of the things have to be heroic or um, they have to have, you you know, you kind of think in terms of like, I'm going to change the world with Mm -hmm. this action. Where actually the, the world is constantly in flux anyway. And Brodsky was so attentive to that change. He drew our attention to it. But I think that is exactly what it's about. I think it's about actually changing the rhythm of your everyday life because it's not necessarily about walking out of there with two books published and then at the end of it, you're a hero. But I think it's about a change of pace to act more like a writer and to spend more of your life like a writer. I remember when when I started um, renting a studio for my ceramics this year and I, I just started to spend more of my time in a space where people were actually making art rather than working commercially as creative directors or art directors or whatever in fashion. It just changes your pace. And suddenly it it allowed myself, it allowed me to see myself as an artist again. And I think it changed my mindset, it changed my behavior. And I think it's helped me reallocate value to different parts of my practice and see myself differently. I wish we, okay, we have 10 minutes left and I have to tell you two things, okay? And I'm so appreciative of all the thought around that, that you've put into this. One, I might not get in. Let, let's yes. remember that. And two, I don't know that I have the letters of recommendation that I need. Mm-hmm. I can write one for you. I'm an academic. <laughs> I can do really? That. <laughs> of course. Yes. And who oh was there? God, oh, did the guy beautiful. die who was your poetry teacher? Bill Knott. Did he die? Oh, God. Okay. So we can find a second person. We had like... <laughs> That's so... Oh, That's my so gosh. Funny. Everybody we knew died, though. Maureen Shea died. Chris and Gator died. Bryce, we just need to try and keep Bryce alive now. Guys, yeah, everybody just, protect let's him. Let's hope this flight home goes well. Save exactly. Bryce. <laughs> Save everybody Bryce build campaign. a circle. Build a circle around him. Okay. Okay. I think you should... Am I allowed to say... Yeah, what if me. you apply for two programs? Apply for two. Okay. It doubles your chances of getting in. And also kind of strengthens the sense of fate in this, I think, as okay. well. Okay. So... 
MFA, I'm a, I, for this episode, I'm going to apply to one because already the essay is... Okay, fair I, I have no idea. I'm looking at books and like, how do you write an essay? And it's like, write it like a recipe. <laughs> you know, like all those, my creative essay. Well, it took one cup of memories. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tedious. No, that's completely wrong. It, <laughs> essays are just like poetry. They need structure. Okay, yes. No commas in that essay, honey. <laughs> No. Scepter. The wave slammed gently. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> yes. And so you're voting MFA. I'm voting both. Voting you said both. I was allowed to. We're, we weren't kicking it out of bed, right? Okay, we're not kicking both I'm out voting of bed. both. I say both as well. No, you can't, we can't vote what? the same thing. Okay, fine. Um, I would say MFA because I feel that, yeah, you need to change the way you spend your days and the way you spend your life. And I think this is going to help you see yourself as an artist in a way that you actually want to be seen mm-hmm. and that you want to see yourself. Okay. Also, there's all those hummingbirds, remember, uh, I know. in the desert. You don't know where they're going next. You know what I mean? Okay. Where they'll be coming from, okay. you don't know. All you're going to get is Bristol Farms Bristol. and hummingbirds. <laughs> Before we go, yeah. is there anything you want people to read or look at? or? Oh my God, yes, to read and look at. Martin, is there anything you'd like people to yes. read and look at? Um, pillow plates. Well, what do you want people to look at? What's your Instagram handle so yes. they can see your pillow plates? Oh, well, but nobody's going to be able to, to spell my name, so it's going to be... Well, we can spell it right now. Martin Schnabel, my friends, it's in the title of the episode as well. It's underscore Martin Schnabel. And that's Instagram. Schnabel without a B. It's not like Julian Schnabel. Yeah, it's S-C-H-N-A-B-L. And look it up. Yeah, that means beak in German. Oh, that's right. That's I know. the bird. That's the bird thing. Like You're the afraid humming? of birds, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and okay. since I've spoken about it so much, I'm going to plug Robert D. Kaplan's Adriatic. Poetry should not be purple, but severe. Thank you once again to my guests, Bryce Lease and Martin Schnabel. And I need to make a correction. I called Bryce a professor out of habit. He is actually the head of knowledge at the Royal Center School for Speech and Drama. Okay, and now let us fly, much like a hummingbird, into the future. First, I'll draw a card for Desert Holiday. I'm actually scared. This is the most nervous I've ever been. I hope the energy doesn't bleed into the cards. Okay. Desert holiday. Coming out of poverty. Five of pentacles. Five of pentacles upright is people out in the snow, destitute. There's like a a tiny Tim Christmas Carol vibe. When it's reversed, it means that's coming to an end. I, I really appreciate that card right now. Something about being in the desert will take a weight off my shoulders. And now MFA. Six of swords. Travel. Moving on. It doesn't matter what your problems are. Put your swords in the canoe and go. You just have to move forward in life. Forget your worries. Just do it. This is so scary. I really can't believe this is happening. Well, luckily, I don't have to make the choice. You do. So before I go, um, yes, get a tarot reading from me. I, I love meeting the sorcerers. Again, 
The link to the Patreon is in my Instagram bio. And if you're if you're in Mensa, I am performing at the Mensa convention on February 18th. Okay. Now I ask you, Desert Holiday or MFA? The choice is in your hands. Starbands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.